Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that helps you become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing. Usually, my co-host and I, Julie Littlechild, have a conversation with someone, often someone not well-known in financial services circles, who can help you become more referrable. This time, I will interview my co-host on some interesting work she's doing that can benefit you. Julie has worked with and studied successful financial advisors, their clients, and their teams for more than 20 years. Julie sat on the national board of the Financial Planning Association from 2010 to 2013. Investment Advisor put her on its list of 25 most influential people in financial planning twice, and she won the Influencer Award in Practice Management from Financial Planning Magazine. You might know Julie as the person who developed the client surveying tool Client Audit, now offered through Actify. In doing her client research, she found that referrals come from clients who are not just content or satisfied, but engaged with their financial advisor. In the past couple of years, she's turned from client engagement to advisors and engagement in their businesses, which she found leads not only to more client engagement, but higher levels of satisfaction and success. She's gone on to write a book about that called Absolute Engagement and now offers several courses for advisors who want to become more engaged themselves. In this conversation, we talk about some of the interesting ideas she has uncovered in that pursuit. We talk about an engaged experience. We talk about the client journey and how to map it out and how to utilize that map to create a more engaging experience. And of course, we talk about how all of that relates to becoming more referable. Listen through till the end where we talk about how designing the experience you want to have helps you create the kind of experience your clients want to have. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Julie Littlechild. Well, Julie, so nice to uh, talk with you directly this time instead of the two of us ganging up on some poor unsuspecting soul. <laughs> yeah, I like this idea. Uh, it it takes, <laughs> takes somebody out of the middle, but uh, are you, you just be gentle with your questions, please. Yeah, well, you know, of course, of course, because I know I'm going to get it back, you know, at <laughs> exactly. some point when you want to interview me. Exactly. Um, and, and so you've, you know, since, uh, you know, you've, you've gotten a lot more involved in uh, engagement on all different kinds of levels. You know, you wrote the book um, about absolute engagement a little while ago, and you're working with advisors on a few different projects. One of them is Engagement Edge, where, you know, you, you uh, work on, with advisors on helping them get their uh, their clients more engaged. And you use a different, a, a few different um terms in there, a couple different ideas that I wanted to get you to help us clarify a little bit. So as we go into this, you know, we can, um, you know, the listeners can can uh, sort these things out better. So on, you talk about the advisor's offer, you talk about the client experience, and you talk about the client journey. So, so what's the difference between those and, and what do each of them mean? Yeah, I think it's a good question because to to a large extent the there is some confusion and you know the words we use matter and and so clarifying that's probably a, a great place to start the the way I think about it and it's not like there's a right or wrong answer here but I'll tell you um, sort of certainly how we look at it is the client experience for us is a catch-all term that reflects everything that an advisor does for a client. The two more specific terms that we we try to use so that it it makes it clear that they are different are the offer and the client journey. And perhaps the easiest way to think about it would be the offer is what an advisor delivers to a client. 
So that could be what is offered in terms of the service. You know, I provide comprehensive financial planning, for example, but also the the fundamentals of things like, and in order to do that, we deliver four meetings per year and uh, and two educational events. That to me is the offer. The client journey is how the client experiences what's being delivered, experiences that offer. Uh, the offer has a more internal lens. The, the client journey is very much through the eyes of the clients. So I, I think that the simplest example I could think of um, to try to make this, this clear would be to say, as an advisor, as I'm mapping out what it is I'm going to offer to my clients, I might determine that it is appropriate to meet with my A clients four times a year. And I'm making that assessment based on what I think their needs are, but frankly, also based on the value of the client and what will, you know, be make meaningful economic sense to the business. The client journey is more about how does the client experience those four meetings? How are they set? What happens before? What information do they receive? What happens during the meeting? What kind of technology is used? What's the follow-up like? What What's the actual discussion? And so it's, it's very much how that client experiences. And, and when we think about crafting an extraordinary experience or defining the client journey, we're all about that latter part and what would make that extraordinary for a client. Does that make sense? Sure. So can you give us a few examples of how an advisor might design a journey to be extraordinary? Uh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, we actually work through a, uh, a fairly structured process because that's how I think and um, and and there's a is a couple of different things if we if we think about just the process of defining the client journey um, and and I maybe we can step back and, and talk about where all this starts but in terms of the journey itself we usually go through a process by starting with okay what are the key touch points in the relationship so you know first of all let's acknowledge or remember that the relationship starts before somebody becomes a client so the touch point might be uh, pre-client or introduction phase, moving to initial contact, onboarding, the client review process, education, appreciation. I mean, that might be an example of the key touch points. And the goal would then be to say, what would extraordinary look like in each of those areas? What would an extraordinary experience be if somebody just reached out to get more information? What would an extraordinary experience look like if I was running an appreciation event or, or finding a way to thank my clients? There, that's sort of part one. The, the second part of the client journey, which I think is easy to forget, is ensuring that that experience is consistently extraordinary, no matter how somebody reaches out. So again, you know, quick example. Let's let's take um, initial contact. So somebody uh, is is referred to an advisor. They go on their website, they reach out, they give the office a call, and they have this amazing experience. Like the woman that answered the phone was friendly and inviting, and she understood the value that was delivered. She she was able to communicate that. She took information. She sent them some some details on the firm. And it was just one of those experiences where somebody felt warm and, you know, fuzzy about the, the whole process. Now, 
what it's easy to forget is that if I reached out via your website, it's going to be a different experience, but it needs to be equally good. So if in that situation, I, I filled in the form on the website, the one we all have, right? Just, just add a comment and send that over. If I got an automated response that said, thanks for your email. We attempt to respond to all emails within 24 to 48 hours. That's a different experience, right? So a, what's extraordinary across all touch points? And then B, is it consistent no matter how somebody reaches out? That's sort of the, the basic process that we follow. And, and so are you trying to, so if, if for example, the, the phone call gets that warm and fuzzy kind of an experience, are you looking to have a warm and fuzzy experience through the website as well? I mean, is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah. I mean, we're looking to have a, a, a great experience either way. Now, warm and fuzzy may not be your MO, <laughs> So, so no, but, but, I, but I mean, if that's what you're aiming for, but with yeah, the absolutely. Then. Yeah. So what would that look like? Well, maybe uh, you're far more responsive. First of all, maybe it says we will be back to you within two hours. And perhaps there's a personal note that comes out that says, thanks so much for reaching out. We'll be back to you within an hour. In the meantime, I thought you'd like this video of our founder talking about the firm or, you know, something along those lines that makes it great as well. Okay. Okay. And, um, and then how, how much detail do you get into when it? so, you know, you were talking before about the, the review meeting when, when, you know, a client would come in, you know, like if you say your offer includes, you know, two client meetings a year, that the, the journey would involve, you know, what happens before that meeting, what happens in that meeting, and I'm assuming what happens as a follow-up to the meeting. How, how detailed do you get into as somebody is becoming a new client and going through the, the onboarding or, or planning process. So are you asking how much detail is shared with that prospect or, or how, how much detail how much, do we get into? How much into? detail do you include in, in developing that client journey? Got it. So it's, I mean, the client journey is uh, a detailed. I mean, we get into as much detail as possible, but it is not, uh, but it's something that's co-created, I guess is the best way. I use that word a lot, but co-created with the, the advisors that we work with. So our, we see our job is to say, here's, our, here's the process, here's the methodology, here are examples, here's a way for you to understand in your firm what extraordinary looks like by talking to your team, by talking to your clients. And we want them to get into as much detail as possible, but we don't prescribe exactly what that process should look like because, quite frankly, it could be very different from one firm to the next. In fact, I'd argue that it should be different from one firm to the next depending on who they're focused on attracting. Well, sure, yeah. And <clears throat> and it seems like this would be one way of differentiating your firm is what, you know, what, what, what all is included in the experience and how it's carried out. So I, mm -hmm. so that would make sense to make it different than other firms as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just so going to say, was, and who, who it's, who it's built for, right? To me, that's the, it's not necessarily that your, your offer, your journey looks uh, bigger than somebody else's, it's more, it's differentiated, I believe, when it is more precisely tailored to exactly the kind of clients that you want to work with. Okay. So, and before we get deeper into that, I mean, it, it may seem apparent, but, but let me ask it anyway. So, so why, why does this matter? Why, why, does, why does it matter to think about what the client journey is? Well, I think that, you know, you mentioned one point there, it's differentiated, 
right? When when you have created something, uh, a client journey that is extraordinary, it is something that is memorable. It is something that goes to the heart of what is really important to your clients or to your prospects, depending on where you're at in, in the journey. And, um, and that sets you apart. It also, you know, as the name of the podcast suggests, makes you more referable because quite frankly, mm-hmm. when we can get this right, right, when we're going deep, when we're, we're really hitting on the things that are so important to our clients, this is what people talk about. This is, these are the stories that they share with others. Okay. So <clears throat> is it, do you think it's reasonable for, or what, what parts of this do you think that people would pick up on and tell their friends about? And, and how do you incorporate that in, into the design of the journey that you're creating? Well, there's, there's a, probably a few places where I think it's most obvious about the stories. Um, and well, actually, let me step back. It's not just necessarily the stories, but it's doing things that are shareable. So it might not be a verbal story. It could be information that you're providing that's shareable. Um, so let's look at the maybe the pre-client introduction phase. Um, I could go to somebody's website and read all about the work that they do and the credentials they have and and everything could look very smart and well designed. Um, and I may or may not decide to meet with that person, but I don't think I'd be telling anybody else about that. Alternatively, uh, you know, I'm a business owner, you're a business owner, so I'll, let me pick on that. Let's say I go to a site as a business owner and and instead of uh, just seeing all this the normal information, I see something that says, first of all, we focus, um, we've built our business around business owners. If you would like a uh, a report that we created on the top ten resources for running an efficient small to mid-sized business, click here. So you know, immediately I'm drawn to something that is um, is more impactful for me on that website. And of course, the advisor is getting my email address if they do it right. But now think about this as something shareable. Once I get that resource, it's something that I will share with others um, if that are that are business owners that I that I work with. So those kinds of things I think are shareable. Think also about, um, you know, the kind of education or appreciation that we share. I think it's quite well, I'd be interested in your perspective on this. I see a bit of a disconnect often. Um, I know that when advisors are in meetings with their clients, they're going deep. They're talking about issues that are important and their families and their lives and their futures and their hopes. And then often I look at the communications that are going out and it might be, uh, you know, a market update. And there's nothing wrong with a market update, but there's a disconnect there between the kind of the relationship they have and the issues that they might be talking about and the communications. But if we flip that around and said, all right, the education that we provide is going to be specifically tailored to the unique needs of my client. I might talk about family issues or communication or, you know, it could be cybersecurity if that's an issue that comes up. I mean, whatever those issues are. These are the things I'm going to share with my friends and family. These are the things I'm going to talk about because now you're you're truly impacting something that's important to me. Right, right, and uh, and I and I totally agree with you. I I I, I think that I, I think one of the values of defining what that journey is for the client 
part of it is is getting that feedback to just confirm what's most valuable to the client yeah. and that what what you just mentioned is what I see most frequently what I would consider to be a communication mistake mm-hmm. which is you know we consistently hear that the, it's the planning type stuff that's most va- most valuable to the clients and that's most meaningful to the clients and then they send out communication about market updates yeah yeah it's, it's like look they they're hiring you for that what they're interested in hearing more about is guidance that can help them get to where they want to go or guidance to help them improve their lives or you know not not which sector of the market did better last quarter right it's so true and i you know i wonder if this happens because we've become so insular as well which is easy to do right we when we're thinking about client experience we look to the benchmarking reports that are in the industry, all of which are very well done and provide important information. But what that tells us is other advisors are on average meeting with their clients four times a year or two times a year and running an appreciation. You know, it just gives us the basics. I'm starting to believe, and and, and a lot of the work that we're doing is really in this area, that we need to look outside this industry. We need to understand why people love Ritz and Disney and Apple and and try to apply that thinking to our client journey. Otherwise, we run that risk of just focusing, just like you said, well, everybody else is sending a market update. I should send a market update. Um, I think we need to think differently. I think think the the role of the client is changing and and that if we don't start to think differently about engagement, we, we run that risk of being left very far behind. Well, and... And I'll I'll disagree with you a little. I won't disagree with you, but I'll 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 modify that that a little bit. I you know there there are things about I I see advisors still come off the rails a little bit when they look outside of our industry for that kind of inspiration because they look to the Ritzes and they look to the Disneys and you know those kinds of things and and one one issue with that is that Disney and Ritz and those kinds of folks are are providing a a, a different kind of an experience because it, it's it's a different objective for the client you know the, the the client is going to disney for one thing yes enjoyment escapism whatever it might be and they're going to a financial advisor for something different so you know trying to replicate the disney experience you know there there's a chance you're going to go off the rails because they're they're built for different reasons but the other thing is that it takes that you know by looking outside as opposed to looking at their own client relationships it it you know, you're you're still like sort of just dreaming up things that you might do, as opposed to asking people. Oh. So, what was most meaningful about this process? What 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 changed your life the most about going through the planning process? Or you know, that's I believe that's where you can get really good information about the journey, because you can find out what's really important to them and find out what was valuable to them, as opposed to like going to a, you know, Nordstroms or a. Mm-hmm. Ritz Carlton and, and and looking for inspiration there rather than just asking people you know what what was most significant to you. Yeah, well, I like if we can disagree. I don't think we're disagreeing, but I like to think we are because it makes it far more interesting, <laughs> right? Um, no, but well, let I me, think we should much more violently agree. Yeah, that's other. right. Let me let, well, let me tackle that a bit because I so I don't disagree with what you just said, but I, I I do think there actually is value if we do it right. So first of all, yes, I think we should talk to clients about what um, what is most valuable, what impact uh, the advisor has had. And, and I think it's an incredible learning experience to do that. Having said that, I think that we can miss opportunities 
if we don't look outside the industry and get creative. So let, let me give you an, an example to, to see if, if this fits with, with your thinking as well. Um, one of the things that we strongly encourage, in addition to asking clients about what they've experienced and, and the impact, is to talk to clients about what they consider their one greatest client experience and dig into that. So that's when they might say Disney or Ritz or Nordstrom's, and, and that's fine. Um, in fact, I encourage advisors to have these conversations with the caveat that the advisor can't talk about them in that moment. That's a separate conversation. And, and then understand what made the experience great. In the context, of course, it's, it's about a, a completely different offer. But if you dig in, you start to understand, well, it was very personalized. It was, it, it, it allowed me to, it gave me time to step back. And uh, I'm thinking of Disney at the moment, only because I was there recently. Um, you know, we can learn about what extraordinary looks like in a bigger context. But then, and I think this is the missing piece, right, is how does that then relate to our business? Um, so I was I was talking uh, some time ago, this is going back a couple of years, but I've never forgotten this example, um, to Jack Thurman. And uh, they operate out of St. Louis. They've got a, a few offices. And Jack and his team at BKD are big proponents of Ritz-Carlton and their training. So they love Ritz-Carlton. They believe in what they do. But they don't run hotels, right? At the same time, they understand they don't run hotels. Now, if you really dig into Ritz, what you see, of course, is one of the tenets is uh, anticipation. So Ritz wants to anticipate your needs before you even um, uh, do yourself in a way. And so what Jack and his team did is say, okay, well, what would that mean for us? And what they ended up doing, this is just one example of the things they did, they they redefined their onboarding process because they said, well, how can we better anticipate the needs of our clients? What are the, When are the times when they have a lot of questions about what we do? Well, it's onboarding. Like, have I made the right decisions? Have things transferred? Where are we at? Uh, you know, they go through, uh, you know, I got this new statement that... I should understand, but I'm not sure I do. And and so they created this this process whereby, you know, they would have Jack reach out because he wasn't working directly with clients after as soon as somebody became a client. And that gave them some reassurance about his role in the process. They had a, a client service associate reach out at predefined times to bring people up to speed on where they were at, even if there was nothing wrong or nothing was off the rails just to keep them informed. They had the advisor reach out and talk them through the statement as soon as that came out. And they sent a new client survey after three months. So this was for them. This is what Ritz's tenant looked like in their business. So I I think you can make that link. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I I think. Oh come on, and disagree those, those with are... me, Steve. Just <laughs> well, no, I think you're totally wrong on that. Yeah. Time. Okay. Well. Um, <laughs> no, I it's 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 a it's an excellent point, and and looking for those, you know, looking to what those kinds of organizations have done to figure out what their clients, um, what their clients are going to want, and and what's going to enhance their clients' 
experience and then adopting those same tenets or, or, or ideas to developing your own journey, I think that makes, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, my, my son works at Disney and, mm-hmm. and we've, we've talked about those kinds of things. And if, and if there's one thing the, that Disney has, has thought long and hard about, it's the client journey about, oh, you know, yeah. and it goes everywhere from what kinds of rides they offer and, and what they, how they structure the lines to wait for them and what they get people to do while they're in line. And, you know, I mean, the whole thing is, is extremely well, well thought through. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. So, I mean, it so, really so, so let's, let's sort of jump from there in, mm-hmm. into the advisor realm. And so, you know, what, what would an, an engaged experience look like and, and, and how does that differ from what m- most advisors do today? Well, I, <clears throat> I, I guess the first thing I would say there is that an engaged experience, I, I'm sort of repeating myself, but I think it's the, the place to start, is designed around the unique needs of your target or your ideal client. It's not meant to be designed for everyone. You know, if we if we try to build a client journey that is right for every single person we work with, we, we'll probably fail. We will dumb it down or or get to the lowest common denominator. So I think the engaged experience is very much designed for who we're trying to attract and work with. Um, I would say that it's created through the eyes of the client. That's why I like the terminology client journey, because instead of us you know, standing in front of a whiteboard, figuring out how often we want to meet with clients, we put ourselves in their shoes and you can almost do a, a, you know, a 360 journey to look around how they perceive everything from the moment they drive up to your office to walking through, um, you know, to the meeting room, to how that's set up, to the information they receive and and so this notion of we're we're walking that journey with the client to understand i think is is part of engaged um, i th- i i mean we haven't really touched on this but i would also say that engaged experience reflects uh, a number of trends or realities um certainly that we believe are important things like um co-creation of value things like personalization of the communications process i I think there are some clear trends that are you know i'm going to say disrupting how we engaged i don't know if i'm overstating by using that term but i think um you know it, it works and and so you know i think all of that differs from just saying i've segmented my clients and i've tiered my service offering not that i don't think that's where we should start because i do but it's it's taking it to the next step that that would be different for most advisors i think what what's the implication so of course i have my own thoughts about this mm-hmm. but what what are the implications of advisors who try to do more than one target market when they design a journey well i i just think it's very difficult to add significant value when you're trying to do it for for uh different target groups uh can it be done yeah, it's it's possible, but it's complex. It requires yeah, that, yeah, scale. It's an excellent it point. requires um, almost two completely different client experiences being run simultaneously, and I think that's challenging. So, you know, what I need as a business owner and what would be completely engaging for me is going to be very different from someone else. So, who are you building this for? It's like trying to build a house and wanting to make it right for anyone who could possibly walk through the door doomed right, right. from sure. the beginning yeah I, you know and i i, th- I think 
I think you you can do it for for multiple targets mm -hmm. as long as you're designing a niche that satisfies the needs of both. So, for right. example, yes, um, you know, if if you're if you have a uh, a niche experience that you're designing for a for uh, physicians or for high level corporate executives or for um, you know some somebody you know i don't know university professors you know you you may be you, you that the key to that would be finding the the where they where the where the the needs wants and desires bridge from one to the next mm -hmm. so that they all line up i think you know if if your target markets are business owners and widows yeah. like you said it's doomed it's hopeless because there there's just no overlap you know that you can't design a niche that's going to be equally attractive yeah. to both i also uh wonder if we need to ensure that they're um, to some extent, mutually exclusive. So you want overlap, but I, and, and this, this only came to me because I went to a, a website uh, a while back and there were three target markets defined uh, and they were women, families, and business owners. And I had a moment of not knowing what to do because I was all three of those things. <laughs> right, so exactly. I, I think if we're going to have that multiple, we need to help people you know, it has to be very clear on the path they should follow. So, Julie, we've uh, been talking about what a journey map is and what kinds of things go in it. How how do you go about mapping out an experience? How do you mapping uh, mapping out a journey? Yeah, the actual process. So you're right. So at this point, when you're ready to do that, you should have a pretty clear sense of the what extraordinary looks like for you and your team. And I think bringing the team in is important. Uh, and then it just becomes a process of a two-phased process I, I like. One, maybe it's three. <laughs> First step is really those touch points we talked about. So what are the key touch points in our client journey? Second would be then for each one of those to brainstorm, just get all of the ideas out. What what kinds of things could we do to make our appreciation extraordinary or our client review process extraordinary? Get all the ideas on the table and then begin to use the filters that you really created. The filters come from your client interviews and your team meetings to say, all right, this is what we're trying to accomplish so let's begin to to choose the experience, um, and, and it's just documenting it at this point. It doesn't have to be fancier than that. You can use mind mapping technology to to gather the ideas or just document what you hear. It's really in the next phase, which is about bringing it to life, where we need to start thinking about process. But you can do this on a whiteboard, on paper, or in a mind map. And... So you, you're you're talking about working with your staff and the people involved in it. What what we you mentioned before co-creation of of this. You know how how would how would you get a client involved in helping you develop a journey map? Or, well, or there I would I would go back to the interview process, um, and there are different ways to do it. Um, one is you're looking for qualitative uh, information from clients on what they value and what they consider extraordinary. So the first one's about you. The second one is about an experience that's not you. And it is qualitative input that I believe that we're looking for here, by the way. I don't think we can use a survey to gather this kind of information. Right, sure. yep. Surveys are great to tell you if you've succeeded at doing it, but this is about qualitative. So how do we do that? Um, well, you'll know about advisory boards. So I think advisory yeah. boards are a really ideal way to get this information. 
Um, if you don't have one um, or you're not considering putting one together, then I think uh, simple client interviews. You know, interview five to ten clients with a, a, a set of questions about your value and what they consider to be extraordinary, and you get amazing information. You could even do a focus group. So that's a mix. Maybe it's that's the mix between the two, where you're bringing people together for a one-off discussion on what great really looks like. So that's that's how I like to go about it. Okay. And um, what does <clears throat> what does engagement look like at different points along that journey? Well, I I mean I think that it's it, it what's consistent about it to answer a completely different question. No, what's consistent <laughs> about it is that it. <laughs> is that it re- it should always reflect the needs of the client. It's just that it's going to manifest in very different ways. So extraordinary um, is consistent in the filters you use. So you could say at every stage, we are looking for a client journey that, that reflects the needs and challenges of our target client that is personalized to those needs and challenges. Those could be your two uh, commonalities, but how that looks will change. So when you're providing education, that could mean you do workshops on very defined subjects that reflect the needs of your client, but personalization in the client review process could mean co-creating the agenda, for example. So uh, the, the, the top line piece here I think that's helpful to get to is understanding what's important to you. What are those filters that you want to apply and use that to assess and create the, the specifics of the client journey map from there? Okay. Okay. So, so we've been talking about crafting the client journey and mapping it out. <clears throat> and I know that our, our main goal here is to, uh, to get better client engagement, but a lot of your work recently has been on advisor engagement. Are the two of those related somehow? They are related. I, I mean, I, I think that's a great question. And, and I, would, I would say that when the work that we've done around uh, personal engagement or advisor engagement, as you've said, really is premised on the notion that you need and want to build a business uh, around the clients with whom you love to work and the work that you love to do. And that we, in an ideal world, that's where the, the whole journey starts is deciding who it is you want to build this business around. Uh, And it's only then that we can begin thinking about client journey. So I feel that if you haven't gone through that process and done the thinking around uh, your target, your ideal client, your niche, the kind of business that you want to create, the kind of life that you want to lead, um, and you just focus initially on client experience, it can be a bit of a challenge. The two are incredibly tightly connected. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, maybe some of it is, you know, not just what kind of an experience the client wants to experience, but what kind of experience you want to provide, you know, what would, what kinds of things you would have fun doing, providing to clients. What what are you going to feel good about, right? What's going to get you, you jumping out of bed in the morning as they say. Sure. (laughs) And so let's, so let's bring this back around to, you know, the theme of the podcast is so we've talked about getting clients better engaged and how that can help the advisor's engagement, how does, how does all of this have an effect on referrals? Well, I think this is where, you know, the work that, that certainly we've done together has demonstrated that we, we need to help clients to understand the problems that we solve and we need to give them something 
to talk about. And I, I think that if you can think about the client journey in that context, that, that becomes the connection. If it's intentionally designed, it's, it creates the stories that people will tell others, it creates shareable content, and it's tightly focused on the message that you want to deliver which is not that it's for everyone, but it's very much for a defined group. So it should sound right to the target client. And this is the kind of stuff that we want our clients sharing with others. So I, I think there's a, a, a very strong connection between getting this right and then leveraging the client journey to attract more referrals. Okay. Well, it makes total sense to me. I think that sounds great. So uh, as we said before, this is, you know, some of these things that you're working on here, what we've been talking about today are part of your Engagement Edge program. How can people find out more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the Engagement Edge is really our program for advisors who want to go deep into creating an engaging client experience and we take them through a, a very detailed uh, six-step process to get there and the, there's information on our website at absoluteengagement.com you can click on uh, the work we do and go to the edge section and you will see everything there well, that sounds cool. Well, you know, it's kind of fun just to have the two of us talking every once in a while. And, and so I'm, I'm really, and so thank you for bringing your ideas because I know you've been doing a lot of development work on this. And I know that uh, all of this is going to be really helpful for the audience as well. So thanks very much for spending uh, this episode with me, just telling me about this project you're working on. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. You too. We'll talk to you soon. Hey folks, Steve again. Thanks for joining us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. So until next time, so long.